is shaking and disturbed there, buddy. Oh, uh, wait a minute. You're, you're, you're not in the South this week. You're out West, so you can't have I'm, a Southern accent. Well, I got to keep the, I got to keep the listeners guessing, as you know, John, <laughs> it's not fair to just like for them always to know, like for them always to think that I'm this crass New Jersey girl living yeah. in New York. You know, I like to show my range. Yeah, well, listen, that's the beauty of your talents. What can you do, you know? Yes, emphasis on the plural of the talents. Exactly, sure. you're a triple threat. I'm in, I am in LA this week, though, and that's so right. Any it's a little bit earlier reason. here for me than it is for you, so that's my fine. drinking habits might be a little bit different today. Oh, that's right. Okay, fair. Because Although technically, my drink- yeah. go ahead. Go ahead I was just going to say, my me. drinking habit isn't that exciting because I'm just drinking LaCroix. Oh. It was too late for a coffee. I have this coffee whiskey. I'm never going to finish it. I wanted to drink it, but I'm like, it's a little late in the day for all of that. So I was like, why I'm don't just... you save it for a Patreon live stream? Which we should be patrons doing. Which we are doing. That's right. We are doing on yes. Tuesday. Tuesday, then 29th. That's right. Yes. Um, good, good, um, good. F- mention of that, Darren, because I had kind of uh, forgotten that. So um, Tuesday. Uh, March 29th, I almost said January. This year has been a, a, a big blur for me. This whole, this whole, my whole life, my whole, my whole life, life has been a big blur life. for me. Yeah, my, my whole, whole life, life is a mess. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, that's right. This coming Tuesday, uh, March 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, you guys on Patreon who are super fans and truly disturbed fans will be able to join us for our next live stream, which we love doing. We've been separating them out a little bit just to make them more exciting you know because frankly between a couple weeks between them i didn't have much new anything new to say i'll be honest well, with you we always need new things to say but i would say that this patreon live stream is going to yeah. be good because i'm actually going to make you drink that coffee whiskey and i think i might actually make you finish it i relax because i know that you can do it the whole bottle you're saying i mean it's not a big bottle no sweetie. that's true it's like a couple shots really but you, you know what's what the, I, what's the problem I won, did I ever tell you I won a cooler full of drinks last year? I think you did tell me, yeah. which was also a waste on you. Complete like, waste. Why am I not main, winning this? Well, I know, and it was mainly beer, but there was a lot of wine in it. I did go through the wine, but there's a couple other, like, some liquor in there. I should dig that out and maybe try something new. Because, you know, I've been using the same couple drinks for quite a while. It's getting a bit old, but. Yeah. Well, I'm just doing I'm just doing a little seltzy, little water uh, as well. That's By the way, right. do you say seltzer or sparkling water? I usually well, I would say seltzer on a whim, but like I have called it sparkling water before. Okay. When I was in Italy, I'm sure you'll know this from traveling too. They call it water with gas, which I, I know, love. which I love too. Water with gas, which and seems kids, so long to say. Like, I know. <laughs> gas and, water, give me gas water. Yeah, gas water. When I was there uh, in 06 and 08, I was teaching, and I was with a lot of little kids. You know, I was teaching English to young kids, and they'd always be like, "Do you like?" Still water or water with gas? And I was like, that's not. You're like, I love gas. I was like, I like gas. Sure. Actually, let me say something. I did not like it at the time. It was very. I still don't like seltzer water without a flavoring. Ugh. So weird. You're just. Today I might. Also. This might shake and disturb me more than anything we've ever covered. No, I know. Also, I only like it very cold. 
which is weird because I don't like cold regular still water. I only like room temperature still water. I'm a mess is the answer to your question. Well, I will say carbonation in general just tastes better when it's cold. Sure, it's that's fair. crisper as yeah. opposed to feeling like a little flat. It doesn't right. have that same. But no, anyway, um, let's get into this week's case. And today's episode is actually mm-hmm. a suggestion from a Patreon super fan in front of the show, Denise Anthony, who we've had on this show. That's right. And Denise was on our show. She was just on a few weeks ago, if you guys can remember. Maybe now we're at like the two month mark since she's been on. Maybe yeah, a month I guess and it's half. been a bit. Yeah. Um, but you too can also give us case suggestions. You can also come on our show if you sign up for Patreon right now, which we always uh, give you all those facts in our show notes and at the end of the show. But Thank you, Denise, for this week's case suggestion. I hope we do it justice. So let's get right into it, John. Let's do it. In 1989, 29-year-old Victoria Cushman was living in Warwick, Rhode Island. And Victoria worked at a winter sporting goods store that was conveniently located just next door to Victoria's apartment. I grew up in the winter sporting goods industry, so even though we weren't having it in Rhode Island, I know she didn't work for my parents uh, and my family's <laughs> company, but... Shout out uh, to your parents who have gotten a shout out on, I think, every episode this year. They, they deserve it. They deserve on, it, yeah. On August 11th, 1989, Victoria didn't show up for her shift at work. And one of Victoria's friends, Carrie Martin, who also worked at the sporting goods store, thought it highly unusual that she would miss a shift. This mm-hmm. is like me, like... I'm so type A and I feel mm-hmm. like I'm so regimented. Like even Nadine will call me out. She'll be like, you're usually home at 10 and it's been 1025. Like, totally. What's going on? So I feel like as a consistent person, I would understand being called out for not showing up. I think people would be kind of shocked. Like I even just, if I missed this podcast, I think you'd be like, what? Like what happened to you? You know what I, I mean? I was just trying to rack my brain as you were saying that. I'm like, was there even a single moment where I had to be like, hey, where are you? Whereas like, I feel like you've probably had to do that. Well, maybe not with me. I'm pretty type A about that too. I'm never late for things. I'm never late for things. I might be running behind occasionally, but I'm not a consistently late person. Me neither. Me neither. Um, So Victoria's friends, Carrie Martin, she thought it was unlikely. And Carrie walked next door and let herself into Victoria's apartment to make sure she was okay. She immediately ran into Victoria's cat, who seemed really upset and attacked Carrie. Mm. So frazzled. Cats are Mm -hmm. perfect. They never do anything. So this (laughs) is highly unlikely. Carrie realized that something wasn't quite right inside and went back downstairs to enlist the help of two of her coworkers, Deborah Laffey and Gary Anderson. Now, once inside, the three were shocked to find Victoria's lifeless body on the floor of her home. Mm. (sighs) Okay. I guess I'm... I guess I'm confused because Carrie goes into the apartment... And doesn't but, see Victoria, I guess. But at doesn't first. see her and sees the cat. So then maybe enlists. What 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 was going through her mind of what she saw? I wish we could kind of talk to her. I guess uh, because but, she got attacked, right? Like she, maybe she just ran out the door. That's what I'm. I yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Well, Victoria had obviously been beaten brutally with the fire extinguisher that lay next to her. That's mm. fucking awful. The medical examiner would later rule that Victoria had suffered numerous fractures to her skull as a revolt as a result of repeated blows from the fire extinguisher. And her autopsy also revealed evidence of asphyxiation after being initially locked out by one of the blows to her head. Uh, she had become unable to breathe. Yeah. That's horrible. Who this knows just, what kind of traumatic brain injury happened with one of those blows that would have caused something. But right. obviously we know the brain is a very sensitive organ. So mm-hmm. I can only imagine the type of pain that this is incurring. This just brought up something in my head. Do you have anybody in your life who has a key to your apartment in case 
something goes awry. Like my best friends and I, when, whenever my best friends lived in Brooklyn, I always had a key just in case, you know, something. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, yeah. my parents have a key and I like a friend or two that has a key. Just God forbid, you know. Let me check. Oh, I, don't, I didn't get a key. Um, yeah, sweetie, because you don't hmm. live here. I, I what am I going to do? I'm locked out of my apartment. Will you come down? Can come up from Maryland right Can now? Can I drive six sure, hours? Sure, sweetie. I'll be, there in, I'll be there in a day. Great. Wow. Cool. Right. I'm homeless. Well, I'm just saying yeah. it could just be on principle, but it's fine. It's Let's yeah, yeah. keep going. I don't have a you know key what? to your house. I appreciate our friendship, so I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, that's going. what it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, it was theorized that the way events had taken place, Victoria had been hit in the head, strangled, passed out due to lack of oxygen, and then beaten to death with the extinguisher and ugh, I just hate all of those details even though it does sound like maybe she was unconscious so like maybe she didn't feel or recognize what would obviously be a lot of pain in this situation as she was dying the police were called to investigate the scene and some details immediately stuck out to them although there was no evidence of forced entry into the apartment one of the windows was open with its screen leaning up against the wall highly sus Highly um, sus, although I was a person in my old New York apartment that didn't have screens, but I wanted to keep the windows mm-hmm. open, whether or not I'm smoking or just having kind of fresh air kind of coming through there. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to put in the screens myself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I'd have yep. to like take them in, take them out. And so in theory, maybe this was just like yeah. someone forgot to put a screen in. It doesn't necessarily say about how to enter, but we continue. Let's continue. And do you remember my story about b- bashing through the window and the screen at my old apartment as Amy Winehouse? Else. Yes. How could we forget when you were throwing up rainbow gummy bears? Could they how be could we the forget? Same? How could could they be the same person? I don't know. Let's find out if, if, if we see suspect. traces of rainbow, then we might know uh, who it is. Yeah. Well, nothing inside the apartment was disturbed. Shout out to Shaken and Disturbed. Aside yes. from a plant pot, which had been knocked over in Victoria's struggle, the flowers in the flower bed below the open window were trampled. Oh my God! I had flowers in my flower bed below my window at that apartment. I'm getting scared. Um, I'm a little bit shaken. And then a weird man dressed as Amy Winehouse (laughs) comes in. Oh, that different story. Different story. Was found walking home barefoot. Listen, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, sorry. It's one of those. I I feel fine for you, actually. Yeah, that's true. Right. Well, they were trampled, and police found muddy scuff marks next to a pipe, which lay outside the building. Because there was no actual sign of a break in, unlike me, who busted the window. Right. Um, police. Plenty of the, signs of a break. Yeah, in there were plenty of signs there. Police. By the way, like, how did no one call the police? Like, I was very lucky that day. Really, I looked like I was breaking and entering, but it was my own apartment. It's a. Long they probably story. felt so bad for Amy Winehouse. They were probably just like, "Look at this poor. Look person. at this woman. She's been through enough." This yeah. Woman. Exactly. Well, anyway, like I said, police believe that the person who killed Victoria had been invited into the apartment and staged a break-in after the murder to make it appear like a stranger had killed her. This is reminding me of the John Benny Ramsey case a little bit, right? Sure. There was a potential home invasion, but the way the glass broke outside, or sorry, inside of the house, or was it outside? I'm forgetting. Outside. Seemed like somebody was inside the house busting out the basement window. Yeah, so it's a little bit odd there. Um, initially, poli- uh, police began to suspect that the killer might be Victoria's friend, Jeff Hornoff. Jeff himself was a member of the Warwick Police Department, Ooh. which is very interesting. A member of the department's dive team who often shopped at the sporting goods store where Victoria worked. Jeff was married to a woman named Rhonda, and the two had an infant son. 
As police questioned Jeff, it became clear almost immediately that Jeff and Victoria were having an affair. Okay. So lots of layers to unpack here early on. Just before her murder took place, Jeff had tried to break up with Victoria. Oh. Jeff claimed that he and his wife had been attending a party together on the night of the murder. I'm laughing at you being like, oh. Oh. Um, police we need dug- to add that to our soundboard, by the way. I will. Oh. oh. I was just thinking before the show started, I was like, we need to get some sounds, but like we're just so in the details with our show. That's yeah. I'm definitely adding that for sure. Okay. Um, uh, but as I said, that Jeff, you know, had basically claimed that he and his wife had been attending a party together on the night of right. the murder. Police dug deeper into the affair and learned that about a month before she was killed, Victoria had told one of her fellow co-workers uh, that she was dating a married police officer, but that he planned to end his marriage so he could get serious with Victoria. However, on August 9th, 1989, by the way, we should mention this was way back in the 80s, Victoria had come into work visibly upset and had told her friend that Jeff had tried to end the relationship. And here's the other thing. It's like, what do you expect if you know that you're dating a married man? There has to be some expectation that like, you're gonna get your heart broken here at some point, right? I mean, say that to so many people who are out there. Like, I mean, you can't really help who you fall in love with, but I think that you can have a reasonable expectation of things. But, you know, it's really hard to get them, and it's easy to rationalize. They're going to leave them for me, you know, especially if this person, we don't know, but especially if this person is saying that. Like, and who knows? Sometimes that does work out for people. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. You know, it's really hard. On the night of August 10th, Jeff, Rhonda, and their baby had all attended a party held by the by the by a fellow police officer and just after 10 p.m. Rhonda and the baby left the party she and Jeff argued as she left okay now Rhonda wanted Jeff Rhonda is Jeff's uh wife obviously now Rhonda wanted Jeff to come home with her but Jeff wanted to stay and told her that he'd get a ride with someone else all accounts of the party state that Jeff was in a really good mood that evening he'd been drinking socially with his friends he seemed happy to stay and hang out even though his wife wanted him to come home Mm-hmm. Now, Jeff left the party with his brother, David Hornoff, also a police officer at the party, around 11 p.m. at night. However, Jeff returned to the party alone in the early hours of the morning of August 11th. At this point, partygoers recall that Jeff was in a very different state. He wasn't drinking and having fun anymore. So arguably, why is he coming back to the party? Yeah, why come back, right? This time he looked pale, dazed, and sick with a blank look on his face. And on August 11th, August 11th, Jeff's brother David learned about Victoria's murder. David was aware of Jeff's relationship with Victoria and called mm. him immediately to let him know what was going on, presumably to, you know, his surprise. And yeah. When Jeff arrived at the police station for work later that day, he pretended to be shocked when he was told about Victoria's murder, but volunteered that the information that he but volunteered the information that he had been close with her. Mm-hmm. Jeff then picked up a phone, dialed the number, and stated to someone on the other end that Victoria Cushman had been killed. While Jeff was being questioned, more police officers visited at home visited his home to speak with his wife. This is getting complicated, guys. Very that quickly, it is. Rhonda told de- detectives that she and the baby had gotten home from the party around eleven thirty p.m. the night before, and that she had heard Jeff come home around midnight. Rhonda asserted that aside from a couple of brief trips to let the family dogs outside, Jeff had stayed in bed with her all night. After officers left her home, Rhonda called one of Jeff's friends to ask about his travels the previous night before he came home. However, during questioning, Jeff told detectives a different story than Rhonda gave them. Jeff stated that his brother had taken him home from the party around 11 p.m. However, he admitted that he didn't go into the house right away. 
So some timing issues are starting to arise as well as well as just facts about the stories here. Right. Instead, he decided to go back to the party in his own car to pick up some cassette tapes. Remember those? This is the that, 80s. That he'd accidentally left there. I almost feel like we should explain what a cassette tape is. In the no, event that I don't. Th- I don't think we need to. No, I'm pretty sure they that. know what a cassette tape is. Yeah. All right, just yeah. just saying. We, yeah. we're we're entering into a phase of life where that may be a thing in the in the near future. But for now, we're going to leave it alone. Yeah. Detectives were <laughs> suspicious of Jeff, especially because all the inconsistencies in his story. However, they didn't feel they had enough evidence to charge him, as no physical evidence, you know, linked him to the murder, nor had any witnesses seen him anywhere near Victoria's home on the night she was killed. Wow, I wish that the same logic was applied to Adnan Syed's case. No connections to the murder, no witnesses, but somehow not enough he's evidence in jail. to charge him. Yeah. Yeah. How right. is that happening? Well, Victoria's case remained open until 1994. You know, by the way, so years go by. Six, five, excuse me, five years go by. When it was transferred to the state police, more than five years after her death, Jeffrey was arrested for Victoria's killing and charged with first degree murder. The trial began and yeah, no real details. We, you know, in our research about like what led to this, but we're going to get to a lot more outside of the fact that it was transferred to state police. And so maybe they knew something or lower bar to convict. I was going to say, yeah, a lower bar, different kind of cause or whatever. Well, the trial began in 1996 and lasted roughly six weeks. Jeff's defense team argued that there was literally no physical evidence against Jeff. Against Jeff. I almost said Jeff. Against Jeff. 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 Linking him to the crime or placing him anywhere near Victoria on the night of her murder. Well, in June of 1996, so this is a full seven years now after this incident happened, after the murder happened, Jeff was sentenced to life in prison. At his sentencing, Jeff stated that he was guilty of nothing more than being unfaithful to his wife. Quote, am I guilty of something? Yes, I am. I broke my sacred wedding vows, and for that I will never forgive myself. End quote. And to be honest with you, adultery ain't a crime in the court of law in that way. It might be a crime in the coupledom and that, but like people cheat all the time. So if you're supposed to be arrested for that, I sort of see his point here that just right. because he was in a precarious situation doesn't necessarily mean that he would have murdered anybody. Here. Yeah, you can be an un- a dishonest, be a bad husband person. and not a bad yeah. person. Right. right. And after his conviction, Jeff and his defense team tried to appeal the ruling as well as a request a new trial. Each request was actually denied here, and in hmm. 2001, Jeff's team requested DNA testing of the small amount of evidence found at the crime scene. I knew screen- this was going to happen, by the way. And to me, it's always, not that this is definitive, but, like, if the defendant is fully going for, like, hey, test this DNA, hey, yeah. test this DNA, hey, test this DNA, hey. like, yeah. that should be... Not that that doesn't prove innocence, of no, course. No, it doesn't. Um, but you don't have to prove innocence; you have to prove guilt. I think that's a sign, though, that clearly they're confident enough to know that they're not going to be uh, that they didn't do this crime, you know. Right. And so, the screen taken from the window and a pair of rubber dishwashing gloves found near Victoria's body were tested. The results, however, were inconclusive, and in crime scene photos, a stained bandage is visible between the dishwashing gloves, but the bandage never turned up in evidence, and nobody knows what happened to it, whether it was lost, oh. destroyed, simply never preserved. We just don't know. We don't know if it was, we don't know what happened, but that seems like a very clear, that seems like something that would have fucking DNA on it. Uh-huh. In 2002, a man named Todd Barry from Cranston, Rhode Island, called an attorney named Bill Devereaux, stating... 
quote, I'm in a real bad situation. I need some legal help. I've got to come forward and confess to a homicide I committed 14 years ago. You know, the Vicki Cushman case, the one where the Warwick cop is serving time. Well, the cop didn't do it. I did. End quote. Wow. Hmm. Um, Well, Todd and Bill obviously met to discuss the situation at hand. So this is almost unprecedented. I mean, people do confess to crimes that they don't commit. We've seen this happen before Mm -hmm. in several cases. So that's not proving guilt necessarily, but that's a pretty big crime to take accountability for 14 years later. Yeah. And there's always different motivation as to why people do these things. Like maybe they feel coaxed or threatened by... A separate party that's like if you don't confess then xyz will happen to you we don't really know uh this situation but as was his responsibility bill explained to todd that he had no legal obligation to come forward with his story someone was already in prison for the crime and todd had literally gotten away with murder at this right. point obviously and How- i'm uh, can i just say sorry yeah. i'm actually shocked because he was a police officer because jeff was a police officer and as we've seen it's almost like you know they get off in a lot of cases. I mean, and they're not convicted. I mean, maybe starting to be kind of now, but there is a lot of those cases where, oh, a police officer could have done it. So I'm actually kind of shocked that this happened this way. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, However, Todd did reply saying, I either do this or I go jump off the Narragansett Bridge. I can't live with myself any longer, end quote. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that. uh, No, Narragansett, like the bear, Narragansett, yeah. Oh, I like had no, I've never heard. Oh. I, I'm just drinking my LaCroix in my mountain Yeah, just, just, just continue, okay? Just continue <laughs> in your little fucking world, okay? Well, Todd and Victoria had also been romantically involved, but Todd ended the relationship when he met the woman who would later become his wife. Victoria became, yeah, Victoria became obsessive and started showing up at Todd's carpenter jobs around the city. On the night of August 10th, Todd had been out drinking with his friends and had taken a hit of a joint that affected him strangely. Darren, mm. we may turn to you for, uh, for some, some medical uh, advice. Here. Here medical on this? advice. Yes. Well, he recalled what, what, me. What makes you say that? John? I don't know. Well, you're oh, in California, so you could oh, that's legally why. share uh, some Sweetie, details Sweetie, I could here. do it legally do it in New York now, too. No, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Well, he recalled being determined to see Victoria, even though he hadn't spoken to her in months. So he drove to her house and accessed her apartment through a window. Remember, Ooh. it's 1989. There's no Snapchat. There's no DMing. There's no even cell Ring phones. doorbells or anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah ring doorbells. Um, <laughs> that's I mean, funny because it's like he's trying to ring the doorbell, but he went through the window. The right, thing. exactly. Yeah. Well, anyway. He couldn't recall whether he had tried the door. Victoria wasn't surprised to see Todd later. Hold on. Yeah. How do you not recall? Not remember. Not because yeah. that should be the first thing. First thing. Yeah. You should not be able to recall if we went through a window or not. Well, maybe but this. trying the door. Maybe this know. joint, Darren, this joint has just oh. fogged his memory all up. I guess I don't so. Know. I don't I know. So. Has the, an honest question, has that ever been a thing that you've experienced or like you don't I mean, remember my friends have basic. and certainly think things can be laced with something i mean you yeah. gotta know you gotta know the source that you're getting it from right. um i've never had a react i've never like blacked out or done anything <laughs> crazy as far as i know but certainly you know like it impairs you to yeah, a point it's just not supposed to impair you like this regular weed is <laughs> right yeah. right that makes sense As I said, Victoria wasn't surprised to see Todd late at night. While they were dating, he would often show up in the middle of the night. I don't know. That sounds... I don't like that. Like, don't show up in the middle of the night. You're going to call me. We're going to make a plan. You're not coming through the window. Okay, so Todd's not going to date you. Okay, so you guys are 
Todd and I are incompatible. Like we're not. Got much. it. Um, we are not <laughs> on Love Island or whatever those shows are that you want me to watch. Anyway. Um, Victoria then told Todd that she was now seeing a married man who planned to leave his wife for her. And at some point during the conversation, Victoria's cat escaped out of the window. And that arguably could be the most tragic part. That is traumatic for sure. Yes. Yeah. And Todd, who was still drunk and high at this point, recalled Victoria threatening to sue him. And he became enraged with her and responded, by strangling her and hitting her in the head with a fire extinguisher, which we mentioned at the top of the show. I often wonder, and we probably, you know, it's at this point moot, but I often wonder what is it in these people? Like, obviously we weren't there. We don't know specifically what was said, but why that anger? Why that, why go for that? It's one thing to be like, well, fuck off. I'm breaking up with you and I never want to see you again. And, storming off you know but like doing this feels like preemptive it doesn't i don't know it just it doesn't feel like one of those things where it's like all of a sudden we're talking and then i'm just gonna like kill you it feels like you've had this in you for a while like there's a rage there right like it's almost um, like yes there there has to be and when i think about all these different true crime stories and cases we've talked about and shows we've watched one of the things that i've noticed is this through line of men who are rejected, who cannot handle the chemical it's like thing the that movie. hits them. Yeah. And it's like, it, it freaks me out. And it's something I've thought about a lot because I'm like, who in my life would freak out like this? And it's you women's know? fault for not And it's like, always women's women are... fault for not loving right. them. Right. So well, anyway. Ever- in every interview, Todd appears genuinely baffled as to why he did it. He honestly seems not to know. And Todd hand wrote out, a, which... In theory, as someone who studies the brain, it is possible. Like, that is 100% possible. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're drunk and high, who knows what kind of cocktails going on. I mean, I I can talk about weed for me, but, like, even alcohol affects people differently. I've seen people take eight shots and walk out and be fine. If I took eight shots, I'd have alcohol poisoning. So drinking and marijuana have a different – drugs in general. It's all very individual. Yeah, it is. Todd Hand wrote out a confession, with which his attorney gave to the attorney general, who, after reading it, asked – Mother of God, how do we know this isn't some nut? Well, right. I mean, what is the connection here aside from his confession? That is something the authorities have to be asking themselves. And I do think, I want to keep all these things in mind, because keep in mind, he Mm -hmm. did confess. So this was eating at him. This is not some Mm -hmm. blind psychopath who has no empathy. Because he didn't have to convince. He didn't have to admit this. Now, Bill responded, quote, if you can prove Todd Barry is a nut, no one would like to hear it more than his wife. I regret to tell you I don't think he's a nut. When all the when all the pieces are put together, you have a major league problem here. And because of how cooperative and forthcoming Todd was trying to be, he was able to work with his attorney and the attorney general to settle on a plea deal. In hmm. January of 2003, Todd formally pled guilty to second-degree murder. He would be sentenced to 30 years in prison and would be eligible for parole after 10. Definitely a different sentence than Jeff got, who was convicted for life. Yeah. That same day, Jeff's conviction was vacated and the charges against him were dismissed, which is good news here. But in total, Jeff spent six years, four months, and 18 days in prison. In 2006, the city of Warwick settled a lawsuit with Jeff, awarding him $600,000 in back pay, plus an annual disability pension. After being given back his freedom, Jeff works as a public speaker, touring the country to tell a story in an attempt to improve the legal system for the wrongfully accused. And I think the shocking thing here is he could have easily served life if Todd had not had a guilty conscience, yeah. which just shows to me that he's not insane, that he's not that. And 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 
thank God that Todd has that. Thank God there's some trigger in a person that says that, okay, I have boundaries. I can't live with myself. And on the flip side, also, it's a little shocking because, as I said, Jeff was a police officer. Yeah. And you don't normally get to see that for better or for worse. And in this case, obviously, this was wrong. You know, you don't want the police officer to go to jail because he clearly didn't do anything wrong outside of having an affair. But yeah. Very interesting case, Denise, that you brought us. Yes, thank you, Denise, for this. And you know what else comes to mind? And this is purely speculation. I am not pointing any fingers in any direction here. But in the description we get and some of even the quote that Todd gives, it makes you wonder if like people might have known it was Todd and they mm. know that there's a police officer sitting in jail who didn't commit this murder. And I'm just wondering what strings are being pulled in the back here that are like, you need to go confess to this or X, Y, Z is going to happen to you. You know what I mean? Especially in the in a police department situation, you just it just reeks of some kind of suspicious like, you know, you better go do this or else. Right. Uh, You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just speculating. I could be completely wrong. No, I mean, it's it's just interesting because this case gets solved appropriately out of right when i say the kindness out of someone's heart i don't mean that i really mean like the guilt of how much the human mind can put on somebody and like create this situation and so obviously like the good news is that the proper person is put away in jail and the innocent person gets to go free but very interesting psychologically this case i would say and even the fact that he got this plea deal, I'm like, and I didn't don't know. even, and maybe part of it is like, okay, he did cooperate and he did come forward, and so technically, not only does he have to serve for the for killing mm-hmm. someone, but he also, in theory, when I say saved someone's life, I mean Jeff's in terms of like he could have just had him rotting there. So okay, that shows yeah. something, and I and I think that that shows at least something in this Todd guy to say that like he's not a cold blooded killer. So I'm certainly don't think he should have gotten the death penalty, and maybe not even life without parole because of the guilt that he was feeling shows that he has some sort of boundaries but yeah i don't know like a lot of different weird little nuances to this case that i've almost never seen i know yeah it is a very weirdly unique case when you think about it well let us know what you guys think about the episode and the today's case you can hit us up at jay thrasher carpe darren uh, we're in the Facebook group, but if you're a Patreon fan, you can DM us and we'll respond to you. Um, speaking of which, Darren, we got to get into yes. listener shout outs. Get ready. For, already, don't even I, read it. I'm not even. I, I, I saw the word parachute and I know where we're going. So just go. Just <laughs> well, go. Just say our it. Patreon pledger Aaron wrote into us after hearing our recent NMR episode about spiders with parachutes, Darren. And this is what she had to say. Quote, listening to the new NMR, I was up in Michigan in a cabin with no running water or electricity, uh, only open in the summer. So all the spiders live there and it is a pain in the ass to clear them. But I woke up one morning. No. Nope. With a pregnant spider in my hair absolutely not threw it against the wall and it ran away found it later that night and put it in the fire so it's okay. you know the story ends in in, a, in happiness for you but well how, what are your honest thoughts with you like okay a lot of thoughts here one i would i'm not sure how i would handle waking up with a pregnant spider in my hair how did uh-huh. you know it was pregnant? Like, how big is it to have to know that it's pregnant? That's, that's I don't even my, don't. That's my I'm first getting, thought. My stomach is hurting. This reminds me, though, of when you were like, well, don't step on them, because what if all, like, they're yeah. insect babies? Like, that's, okay, I think, f- why she messaged, yeah. Found it later and put it in the fire. But I got to say, I 
wouldn't even have the cojones to put it in the fire because that would require being near it. Like, like, okay, <laughs> she threw it against the wall and it ran away. Found it later, which just goes to show that this spider was like chilling there big and like to totally be found. fine, right? Big enough to be found that she knew it was pregnant and then put it in the spider, which means that she put it in the fire, which means that she must have like touched it. Touched it. Big enough to be. I would have moved. By I would have moved. Big enough to be thrown. Let's let's not forget that. Yeah. If you're uh, throwing something against the wall, it's not like a little insect. It has mass to it. You Aaron, I mean? if you don't mind DMing John with the details of how big the spider was so he can report back. <laughs> I need a buffer. I can't hear it directly. Well, it's I can't funny it you say this because she sent that message to us on Patreon and I wrote her back and I was like, can I share this story on the air? And her response to that was, of course, but I really want make, want to make sure that Darren sees this. So yeah, I, so well, just I, so I've you know. seen Aaron. <laughs> ignoring um, that on patreon trust me and of course john had to fucking ring it up i know i saw it um but i will (sighs) say knowing this i will not i want to make a statement right now i will not be ever visiting michigan if there are spiders like this in michigan thank you please respect my privacy at this time time. darren here's you here's here's you in the cabin up in uh michigan (laughs) wait what about the one that's like and then what was that okay That's the reaction of the spider being. A few moments later. That's it. A, a few, few moments, moments later. later. And then I'm, once That's I you. throw it against the wall, I'm like, Doo! yeah, I'm very happy. Well, right. well, uh, Caitlin on our Facebook group uh, had to share a big announcement with us saying, quote, That's M- right. NMR, but I'm so excited and wanted to share my pregnancy announcement with my second family. My boyfriend and I were mm. super big in the car truck industry, so we obviously had to make it automotive. Caitlin, I saw this. This was the best post ever. First off, I love being your second family. I, I know. love that our family is just so fucking solid. But congratulations to you and your boyfriend. I can't wait to see all the pics. I can't wait to see the name. I can't wait to see how gorgeous this baby is going to be. Congratulations to you, and thank you so much for sharing with us. We feel so honored. It was a really cute photo, and the photo included, I think, a blue car. So I'm assuming it's a boy if it's yes. blue. Whoa. Um, no, I. that's what, listen, that's not me. I'm just saying some people, yeah. most people, when they have a gender reveal, that's how they do it. Yeah, um, but it was really cute, and it says expected competition 10-18-22. So congratulations to Caitlin and her boyfriend, and we... We'll have a new baby radish in our midst. Aw, a baby little seedling radish. A little seedling. A little seedling. (laughs) We should get like a little like shaken and disturbed onesie in our merch store eventually, by the way. Oh my God. And by the way, our merch store is almost ready. What were you going to say? <laughs> I said, you... could I fit into it? Like the onesie, the baby onesie? You probably could. I don't think I yeah. could, but you probably oh, yeah. could. But our merch store is almost ready, you guys. We are so excited. I've been working a lot in the background. Here's the thing. You guys think we just sit on this microphone and talk for an hour or so every week? Uh-uh. There's so many emails. Darren, how many times do I text you or voice memo you a week? About too many times with it's too annoying. many things. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we like but... to voice memo, though, these days. It's a lot easier. Yeah, it's a lot it easier. But anyway, um, merch store coming soon, but Patreon pledgers at the Truly Disturbed and Superfan levels are going to get the first access to this merch. So if you haven't already, now is the time to sign up. And aside from that, Darren, what do we got? Bonus videos, photos. We've got NMR episodes. We've got some murder episodes coming and some that are already there. 
tons of content on there. And the great thing is if you sign up now, you're going to get access to all of that stuff. So you get all of our past stuff and all of our new stuff. And you're going to want the merch because the merch I'm like really excited mm-hmm. about coming forward down the pipeline. Oh, and yes. we're going to have Patreon exclusive merch eventually. So Correct. merch that's on Patreon only. Um, eventually, you know, we're going to have all kinds of cool stuff. So you guys just want to get in on this as soon as you can. Yeah, keep in mind, it's just John and I kind of doing this with Megan, of course. Megan is a huge part of this. So not only is it worth it, but you're obviously helping us as independent creators to kind of keep the show you hopefully love so much up and running and just keeping the merch store. It's a lot of balls moving on top of having a full-time job. No excuses because we want to bring you guys stuff every week, but we always appreciate any contribution that you guys can um, can ever contribute to. But if they can't contribute, John, what could they do? They could rate, review, and subscribe our show wherever ow, you listen ow. to podcasts because it really helps our discoverability and you, you'll have more members of your family, as Caitlin mentioned uh, in her shout out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I thought. At first, we thought we were talking about Aaron's spider babies, but then I realized we were actually talking about a real baby. So thank God. Listen, because that spider had its own family that went down in flames. So, you know. I got thrown against the wall. I mean, that was its own. That that spider probably would have a podcast about its own <laughs> demise called Shaken and Disturbed. So oh my yeah, goodness. but obviously, this none of this would be possible without our fearless leader Megan at the helm doing all this important research for us. So uh, one, two, three. Thanks, Thanks Megan. Meg- Thanks, Megan. Thanks, Megan. Oh, that was that was deep. Thanks, Megan. Yeah, you didn't even Thanks, think it was Miggy. me because I got this new microphone. I can go really it's a little low. Cra- it's a little ASMR. crazy. Yeah, it is a little crazy. All right, we'll see you guys uh, next time for a new NMR this Thursday. Catch you later. And for Patreon subscribers, see you on the live stream on Tuesday. On Tuesday, that's right. Thank you, Darren. Bye. Bye.